Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms and on the YouTube channel, The Subtext. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Dan and I'm joined by... I am Lawrence. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome indeed, yeah. How are you today? All right. It's nearly December. It's getting cold. I think it was like two degrees when I left the house this morning, which to be fair, when we compare that to the temperatures that our American listeners deal with, it's not much, but you know, it's pretty (laughs) chilly. How about you? Uh, Britain's got that reputation for being cold and rainy constantly. I remember when uh, I went to America (laughs) and uh, they said to me that it was odd that I had a town from England. (laughs) <laughs> that's just my skin colour um, yeah yeah I'm fine um, had the day off today um, I was up late last night watching some wrestling so that was nice and I'm quite looking forward to this episode today um, it feels like it's been a while since we've done one of these so good to have a little catch up yes quite so today we are covering the 2005 game, God of War, for the PS2. It is number 76 on the Metacritic Top 100 list. It has a meta score of 94. Um, I suppose we start where we always start, which is, do you have any history with this game? No, not with this game. I've played probably about four or five hours of the uh, the new God of War that came out. Was it last year, 2019? 2018 2018 okay so yeah i've i've um i played a bit of that but i fell off the the wagon with it but other than that i've i've never played a god of war game before what about you as with you i've always been aware of it i think the first time i encountered god of war was when i just got an xbox 360 and i'm not sure if it was christmas but i went into my brother's room and he was playing god of war 2 and I was astounded at how good it looked for a PS2 game. I mean, it looks like early generation 360. So, obviously, I'm quite excited to get back to that one. Um, Since that time, the PS3 remasters came out. They were done by Bluepoint Games, who are the same people that did Shadow of the Colossus, um, the remaster, and the Uncharted remasters, and also, most recently, the... Uh, Demon Souls remaster for the PS5. So, I mean, to call them remasters, they're, they're more like remakes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they're obviously got a lot of pedigree as a studio. So, um, yeah, they released uh, the remasters on the PS3, and I picked them up there actually. And um, I don't really. I have some memories of God of War 1, but I have more memories of God of War 2. I also played. They also released the PSP games on the PS3. Um, so I played those as well, and I've I played God of War three and God of War Ascension, but I've not played the twenty eighteen God of War yet. I so not um, any of it. No, um, I've got it and I've had it since twenty eighteen, but it's one of those games that you know I'm like just <laughs> goes in my backlog. Yeah, buy it like nearly, it nearly. Sorry. I think I think that you'd like it, and obviously, with um. Is it Santa Monica Studios that made the... Yeah, Sony Santa Monica. Yeah, because they're releasing um, God of War... Well, 
I suppose they're called God of War 2, but it's called Ragnarok, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's like a new franchise, I suppose, God of War, God of War 2. But that'll be coming out next year or the year after, I imagine. Yeah. So the new ones are reboots. Uh, I'm sure I will like it. Um, I think when we started this podcast, I realised very early on that it was on our list. So I thought, well, I'm not going to play it yet. I'll wait until um, we get to it on the list to experience it for the first time. Um, so I am looking forward to that when we do eventually get to it. The first God of War game and the second God of War game is kind of up your alley anyway, isn't it? Because you studied, uh, you did classics at college, didn't you? Yeah, so uh, college I did classical civilization. So basically it's, uh, yeah, the study of ancient Greeks and the Odyssey and the Iliad. And we kind of verged on ancient Rome as well. So yeah, I, I am interested in that stuff. Um, and I, I love the way that they lean into the mythology. I mean, you said to me early on playing this, and I, and I, and I understand where you're coming from, that you had a hankering to play um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey Yeah. Um, playing this game. And I get it, I do. I, it made me kind of want to play it as well, even though I thought Assassin's Creed Odyssey was good, but I wish it had leaned more into the mythology, which they do here. Um, so yeah, I, I'm interested in that stuff anyway. So I... I I've played most of them apart from uh, the 2018 ones, so I suppose um, I am a quite quite a decent fan of God of War. I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of it, but I'm you know a decent a lot fan about of it. The series. Yeah, I've played them all and um, I've enjoyed most of them. What version did you play? Same, same as you, I believe. I got it on the PS3. I did also download it on my Vita to um, to do it there and see how it ran but i never ended up playing it at all on vita um it might be something i do for god of war 2 when we get to that just for something different because i quite like the the whole thing with the switch of playing it while i've got something on in the background um but this time around i played it on my tv on the ps3 it's the like a is it a remake or a this one's a remaster remaster so yeah yeah that's where i played it this time and you are you similar you're the same yeah, I played it on my PS3 as well. Um, so did you actually play it at all on your Vita? No, not at all. I downloaded it and it's installed. But I mean, I could probably count on two hands the amount of times that I've played my Vita since I got it about four years ago. <laughs> it's, it's, Same with my really PSP. Did anything with it. Like, it's such a shame I... because it's a really cool console. Um, yeah. But I mean, I, I mainly use my Vita as a PS1 Um emulator Emulator. because you can get all of the ps1 games that you can get on the ps3 onto the vita so that's my main use for it i think i remember i'd not played my psp much i'd probably played about five games on my psp and i switched that on well no i didn't switch it on (laughs) i dug it out a couple of years ago and the battery had inflated oh really (laughs) yeah uh so there was air in the battery somehow um, obviously it didn't fit into the case anymore so if I ever did want to play my PSP again I would have to get a new battery yeah so and, and I searched it apparently that's something that happens with PSPs I'm not sure about the Vita but yeah I just intrigued um, what that version looked like because that would be I don't have a Vita it's one of the only consoles I don't have or handhelds so um I'm just intrigued how that version ran. I'll give it a um, go with God of War 2 and see how it looks. I imagine it will look pretty great. Oh yeah, I imagine on that system. Because God of War 2 is such a big step in terms of visuals forward from God of War 1 that I imagine when you shrink it down to that screen it was it will look 
stunning. So would you like to uh, give us a brief rundown of the plot as you see it? Yeah, to, to be fair, I'm more focused on the gameplay with this game, but the, the overall arc of the story is that Kratos is a bit like a he's a servant of the God of War Ares, um, and Kratos was this amazing warrior who led... Is it Spartans? Yeah, he was a yeah, Spartan. Spartans. Um, he led um, a small group of Spartans on until they grew and grew and grew into thousands and it came to a point in a war where they were about to lose to the barbarians so Kratos calls out for Ares the god of war to come and save him which Ares does but in return for that Kratos becomes Ares servant um, for an amount of time Um, and then from there it gets about 10 years down the line um, I don't know if it specifically says, but it's some time Yeah, some time after. Um, you kind of, as you go through the game, you piece together Kratos's story over the past few years. And um, you basically find out that Ares kind of blindsided Kratos into, you know, going on war after war, killing and killing and killing and making him an even more powerful warrior until he goes into a village and massacres it, and then he realises that the people that he's killed are the people in his own village, and his last victims were his wife and his child. So then uh, then Kratos basically says, I'm going to kill Ares, and that's the premise of the game. You're trying to get powerful enough so that you can take on a god, which has never been done before, because Kratos is considered immortal. Not immortal, amortal, sorry. Yeah, and I think I think it's not his entire village. I think it's just his wife and child that happen to be in that temple because yeah. he makes a comment that last time he he remembers seeing them, they were in Sparta. So he doesn't know how they got to, I'm guessing, the Greek mainland. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and actually I think I really like the story here. I think one of the things that they do really well is that, I mean, Kratos is not, a mythological character Um, he's a creation by Sony Santa Monica and something that I think is a real credit to their team is that he fits so naturally into this world like you fully would believe that there was some mythology around him like he's the ghost of Sparta and he wears the ashes of his wife and daughter which is why his skin's so pale um, and he's got the the chains of chaos um, bound to his flesh. It's also uh, it, it it could have come from um, a mythology, and I think it's really well done. And I love like the voiceovers that you get. That I think the script's really nice, um, and it's all grand and epic. I'm a big fan of the story actually. Um, and so the setting is obviously ancient Greece, and you get to travel across Athens and you also get to go to the desert of lost souls is it something like that yeah I think so something like that and then uh, basically you are seeking out Pandora's box and you're going to use Pandora's box to uh, take out Ares and then the game in its climactic final battle is giant Kratos fighting (laughs) giant Ares Um, 
so that's how the game ends. Um, but yeah, I just just wanted to give some uh, some credit to the, the story and Kratos's character. I think it's, I mean, two thousand and five. Before then, Kratos wasn't around, and they came in and he became like video game history. He he, um, he became kind of like not not properly, but a partial mascot for the um for the PlayStation, didn't he? Definitely, yeah, definitely. And I just think it's really impressive how they did that with one game. Um, I love I love the setting. I love the fact that you can you're 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 running around this world. You're exploring. You're fighting. You're doing puzzles. You're platforming. But you can see the the world extends beyond that. You can see in the distance the cliffs and the other temples and the rest of the city and all the boats at sea. It feels yeah. like a really atmospheric, fleshed out world, and I really appreciate that. I'm I I do prefer this version of. Um, ancient Greece to the version in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, but I think um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey Odyssey has the benefit that you can go anywhere and you can really, really, truly explore rather than being on this linear path like you are in God of War. Well, but, I mean, um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey feels like it's a bit more supposed to be grounded in reality, isn't it? Yeah, Whereas definitely. God of War definitely isn't that, um, which I think probably is where you're problem with assassin's creed comes in is that because like you said it doesn't dip into the whole greek mythology as much which is probably because it, it's a bit more realism based isn't it you, you hear mentions through odyssey of you know minotaurs and zeus but it's never really like these things exist yeah and and, and it's funny because i really liked assassin's creed origins but that doesn't so much lean into the mythology either. It's there, but I feel like it's more part of their everyday lives, even though it is part of their lives in Odyssey. I feel like in Origins, it's more present. Um, and towards the end of Odyssey, you do actually get um, a fight with the Minotaur. You get a fight with the Cyclops, and you get a fight with Medusa as well. Um, so they are in there. But they're really they're optional and they're really kind of like far flung at the uh, end. They're of a bit like the, the um, map, the legendary pirate ships in um, Black Flag, where they're kind of like yeah, one exactly. each on the edge of the map in the corner. But they're, they're they're actually fully fleshed missions and they're quite cool actually. But I think a lot of people won't have even found them. Yeah. Um, but they are in there, and it's kind of the only reference that we get that actually the stuff that the gods that these people are worshiping are real. Um, Whereas for the rest of the game, you don't really get that. No. And I think they're leaning into that a bit more in um, the new Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I think they're leaning into the mythology a bit more. It's always something that I'd, I'd, I prefer Assassin's Creed does because I get it, it's a historical game, but you're dealing with ancient civilizations and such a big part of that is the mythology. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's all present and correct in God of War. And uh, I really enjoy that. So now you you mentioned the gameplay. Um, so let's talk about the gameplay. So onto our ever-present feature, gameplay is king. Is the gameplay of God of War fun? Yeah, definitely. There there are some parts of it that are a bit frustrating or a bit irritating, but you also have to set your mind back that this game's fifteen years old. So even though it looks like it's a lot more modern than that, it isn't. So there are going to be teething problems with it when you're coming to it with a like a fresh perspective i suppose but overall it's fun it's pretty fast the combat feels good 
you never really get stuck on any particular puzzles. There are a few areas where you're like, oh, what do I need to do? That's a little bit obtuse. But other than that, it's pretty much just pick up the controller and go. There's not too much thinking with it. It's just, I suppose I would just like say that it's good fun and it's easy to pick up and play. Yeah, it's definitely easy to pick up and play. Um, I do think... I don't think we've really talked about how we feel about this game. Um, I know kind of where you were coming from, but I don't. I don't think. I know you had my original thoughts of the game, but having just so I completed the game twice within the last couple of days. Um, I was close to getting the platinum trophy on the first playthrough, and I only had one more uh, trophy to get, which was for a speed run under five hours. So uh, yesterday, I spent basically doing the speed run of the game. And I think maybe 65% of the time the game is fun. I think there's 35% frustrating, annoying design decisions that really, when I'm actually doing them, sometimes just really irk me. Uh, and we'll go into those a bit. But yeah, I think, I think it, it does lean more towards fun. And it is definitely a game that you can pick up and play. And in the initial stages, I think it's really fun. Um... But I think there are times when it pushes the boundaries a bit and becomes less fun. Um, so what's your favourite move in the game? Well, this is a game that as you progress, you can unlock new moves, can't you? You can unlock new attacks with button combos, which is something that I've never been particularly bothered about. I've always found with games that have those kind of uh, progression schemes that I usually just stick to the same old thing unless I need to pick something else up which i always feel a little bit like i'm not playing the game as it was meant to be played because you're most meant to progress and progress your skills and stuff like that but i mean if we were to say what's your favorite thing that you can do is as much as i like is it the blades of chaos the blades of chaos blades are the standard chaos. uh yeah I, I like those however I, I really enjoyed using the sword is it the sword of icarus Sword of Artemis. Artemis. Yeah, I really enjoyed using the sword. I found it was a lot more powerful. Um, and I just I just quite like swords. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'd say using the sword. And I mean, if we're going to talk about upgrading your powers as well, I suppose the power that I used most was um, probably the Poseidon's Rage yeah. or the um, the power that you pick up from Hades where you can get the dead to come and help you. Souls of Hades or something, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, something like that, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I So, yeah, the Blade of Artemis uh, is, um, is it's more powerful, but the, the sacrifice with that is that its range is so much less. Yeah. So I found myself reverting back to the Blade of Chaos after using that for a little while because the sacrifice with the range for me was just too much. I'd grown used to playing from this kind of, not far away, but this uh, in-between distance, which yeah, I couldn't yeah. do. With the, with the Blade of Artemis. But yeah, I liked uh, Poseidon's Rage as well. Um, I think that's the go-to move for a lot of people that play this game. And one of the criticisms of this game that I've heard is that the other powers that you have are a bit less useful. Um, you've got Zeus's lightning thing, use that <laughs> which is like basically twice. your ranged attack. Yeah, so, you, so there are certain points in the game where you need that. Um, and then you've got um, Medusa's gaze or something, yeah, where you can turn people to either. stone. I literally... I got it for the first time, used it then, 
never used it again. So yeah, um, yeah. So I think my favorite. I love the way that you dodge in this game. You use the right analog stick to dodge, and you can dodge in any direction. And there's a there's a really cool thing that you can do. You can dodge, and then you can dash. Um, with so you dodge with the right stick, and then you press R one to do a dash, and you can basically speed around the map. So when I was doing my speed run, I was just speeding around the map by uh, dodging yeah. and dashing. One thing that really surprised me during the speed run was how many enemies you can just bypass. Probably about seventy percent of them you can just oh, yeah, run definitely. past. You can just run past them, <laughs> which which surprised me because in the in the first playthrough I was literally killing everything, and then the second playthrough I was dodging everything because I thought I've not got time to waste fighting you, so I'm just going to jump past you. Even on, I mean, that's another thing as well. You've got you've got the bits on the ropes. You've got the bits where you're climbing and. You've got tons of enemies on those. I find those really annoying. Yeah, I, I think, especially I think... if they get hold of you, because then when yeah. they're hanging off you, the others have got a chance to get closer. And then as soon as you kick one off, another one jumps on you, and then you're just stuck there for even longer. I listened to a critique of um, God of War, and in I, I can't remember who it was by, but in this critique, he said that he didn't understand why they couldn't give you more moments of quiet between the battling, why it had to be 100% all of the time. So he said that when you're climbing up these walls or these vine walls or these uh, crumbling walls, why it couldn't be quiet time. Or when you're, you, when you're traversing a rope, why it couldn't be quiet time for you to just take in the atmosphere. Um, and I agree. I think he gets really too much sometimes. I, I, um, I agree. I think quiet time is important, but I can understand with a game like God of War. Because, I mean, if you look at other games that came out at a similar time um the first one that comes to my mind is mgs3 which came out in 2004 obviously that game takes a huge amount of um quiet time and that's a big theme of the game but with a game like god of war i think it could have used a bit more quiet time but i don't think it's bad that it didn't have it because of the kind of game that it is and i can't say from the other side of things that it improves in later games um like in god of war 2 i don't know there is a bit more of it in god of war reboot from 2018 but i i can kind of live with the fact that there wasn't much in this game as irritating as i found it sometimes i kind of get why it wasn't there because of the kind of game that this was yeah i think it was the mentality that we don't want the player to stop we want this excitement to be yeah ongoing but I think we, we mentioned, I think it was in the Resident Evil 4 episode, we mentioned um, the Evil Dead reboot and about the intensity, the intensity of that <laughs> and how it doesn't give you a chance to breathe. And I feel like that way with God of War, there are some moments of quiet time in there and I love those. Um, but I just think the balance is not quite right and I do think they get better in later games. I think the pacing of the game... I mean, we'll get on to pacing, but I feel like the pacing of the game also goes against that. I know that one of your big issues with the game was the platforming. So do you want to go into that a bit, why you found the platforming to be frustrating? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call it a huge issue with the game. I think it's just, as I said at the start of the, the podcast, that this is a 15-year-old game that was on the PS2. And even though it looks like it was a lot more modern than that, you have to remember the kind of game that this was. And I think... I've mentioned it a few times on previous episodes that we've been spoilt by current games because they're so tight. And 
with this game and with a lot of games of that generation and that era, they're a lot looser and they're a lot slippier. And I often found that the platforming to be annoying. Um, and not, not to the point where I didn't want to play it, but there were definitely moments where I was like, why was the game made like this? Like, why have they done this? This isn't good. Um, and, and the main one, and you know exactly what I'm going to say, yeah. is when I sent you about eight consecutive WhatsApp voice notes noting my <laughs> anger at um it's when you're in the underworld and you're trying to escape and you're climbing up these rotating poles with spikes coming out of them yeah and if you touch one then you're going to drop but i found that the kind of the the area that can touch you wasn't that precise so no it wasn't i, yeah, was, I, I was on this bit for like probably about 20 minutes just trying to do it and i'm one of those people i don't have a lot of patience if i can't do something after a few tries and if i feel that it's unfair and there aren't many games where i'd be like yeah that that was that was um that was unfair i didn't think that was very good like there aren't many games that i'd say that because usually i'd just be like yeah i suck but with that section i thought it was bad and i thought that it was unfair and i thought it was poorly designed just because of how frustrating it was because it just went on forever and i remember i did the first one i was like great this is good and i sent you a note saying yeah i've done it yeah excellent and then about three minutes later i was like i found another one oh my god and then i was on that one for 20 minutes and it it really bugged me and it was probably the lowest point of the game for me and if i were to say to someone or someone says to me give me this game a rating 10 out of 10 I would probably have to think long and hard about that section before I could give a number, you know, because it really, it really annoyed me that much. Well, hold that, hold that thought because we'll get to that later on. What you think of the game overall? But yeah, um, I think the dead zones for those, um, for the for the spikes is not quite right. So the hit the 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 hit the hit boxes. So yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's it's not. I think the other thing is you're attuned to being able to jump jump up in those sections but if you do that you're probably going to get spiked yeah um so the best way to do it is not to jump at all and just to go really slowly and um try and pick your moments but yeah uh, i saw online someone had posted that they spent three hours trying to do that and wow. they just gave up and stopped playing the game yeah if i'd have done <laughs> it for that long i'd have given up and yeah there's there's a common sentiment that this is quite poorly designed and I, I can't argue with it. Um, it's just out of the blue because everything else, not everything else is tight, but everything else works well and feels like it, it has a reason to be there. But then that section comes up and it's like, did like an intern do this? Like, where did this come well, from? There's a section before with the blades on the, the rotating cylinders. Yes. And that, I mean, if you, if you go out of your way to get all the extras in that, that can be really annoying too. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so I was I was going out of my way trying to get all the uh, the eyeballs and the feathers Fetters. to increase your health and your magic, and yeah, that was that was annoying me. I was just yeah, it, again, I don't know. There, there's it's doable, but sometimes it feels like I, I think the biggest frustration with that is that uh, sometimes when you feel like you shouldn't have been hit, you are hit, and then you just if you're hit once, that's it. You fall down, 
Um, it's not fantastic, and it's probably my least favourite area in the whole game. Which is a shame, because I really like the whole idea of being in the underworld, and I find... Oh yeah, the aesthetic the is great. It's really cool. But that one just... The people falling down around you and yeah. the cries is brilliant. It's, it's, yeah, it's it so cool. good. But that little bit there just soured the whole thing for me, which was a shame, because... I was really happy up until that point and then I got through it and I was stressed and I was angry. <laughs> well, um, Hades reappears in God of War 3 but it's much more satisfying in that game but that game's not on the list so yeah. um, we'll we won't experience that. Yeah, and God of War 3 is good. Um, yeah, so you mentioned briefly that this game doesn't look like a game from 2005. Um, obviously this is a remaster of the game but what do you think overall of the visuals and the soundtrack? Yeah, the visuals look good. There are some sections where you can tell um, that they've put in a pre-rendered background, like when you're rotating the um, the inside of the Pandora's box maze to yeah. get the, the the corridor lined up. If you look down at it, you can see that's a picture. That isn't you know real time, um, yeah. which is fair enough. It, it's not a deal breaker, but it was noticeable. But again... That's me being critical of a 15-year-old game when the technology wasn't as great. So, swings and roundabouts. And I mean... I think... Um, I was going to say, I think in the, the original PS2 version, you wouldn't have noticed that. No. Um, that's but it. in the remaster, which runs at 1080p, um, you do notice it. Well, the, the thing is as well, if you think about um, GTA San Andreas that came out in 2004 as well as MGS3, um, in San Andreas, the draw distance in that game when you look back at it <laughs> yeah. now, it's just like, wow. And you think that, you know, um, San Andreas is a sprawling state, which it is, but it's a lot smaller than you remember it is because of the amount of fog and draw distance that they um, they just couldn't show on screen at one time. And you look at it now on like a, um, a really high-performing PC or something, you'll just see how small the map actually is. And it's just, it's just a... It's, it's a case of its time isn't it it's just that's what games were like back then and I think that was the only thing in God of War that I noticed where I was like oh that doesn't look as good as everything else but that's just how it is I, th I thought the water looked good um, yeah the cutscenes didn't look as if they'd been um, they're lower resolution yeah they weren't um, remastered so they're the original they? I think they're I think they're probably running at 480 um, so they're the original versions of the cutscenes Yes. So that's probably a better idea of what the original PS2 version looked yeah, like, definitely. which is quite pixelated, quite jaggy. And I suppose the music, you could just say it was suitably epic for what I was I love going the music. On. I think it's really good. Yeah, it, I think, it, it, um, it was a good soundtrack. Um, so yeah, overall, visuals and sound, really good. Like There, there wasn't anything that I'd be like, yeah, didn't didn't enjoy that, didn't think that was good. I thought it was impressive for what it was. Yeah, and there's one moment that really stands out to me. And that's in Athens. And Athens is probably probably my favourite area in the game. Um, and you are on the docks, but you're slowly coming into the city of Athens. And you walk up this long staircase. Yeah. The music kicks in. You walk through these curtains, and you just see the whole of Athens sprawled out in front of you. And you see Ares, literally all, all the people of Athens fighting Ares, and uh, it's. Yeah, like I said, the soundtrack kicks in. It's just pretty stunning, and um, I thought this is why this game exists for moments like this, and this is where they absolutely nailed it. 
and they got so much better at doing those moments um, as the series went on. Um, so there are some really epic moments in God of War 2, God of War 3, um, less so in Ascension. But um, I'm intrigued to see what they do in God of War 2018, what they keep from the older games and what they refresh. Well, um, it's it's completely different, isn't it, with um, with the one from a couple of years ago. It's Norse mythology, so it's, it's a completely different um, theme and background, which I think is why I was so interested in it, because I've got quite a high interest in Norse mythology, um, because I've got Scandinavian like background in my family to some extent. So I think there are elements that are, are kind of brought over from the original games into the newer one, but it feels like it's more of its own thing or it's it's revamping itself into something new. Because um, obviously like the main weapon in that game is the axe that you can throw and will come back to you. But I do believe that if you get some secrets or you get some achievements or something, you can unlock the Blades of Chaos in that game, which I imagine will be quite fun. That's cool. That's very cool. Um so in this in this critique of God of War that I listened to again, I've forgotten who did it. Um, he mentions the whole section of Pandora's box and the Temple of Pandora, which is on the back of the Titan Chronos. Titan mm. And he said that, and I've heard this as well elsewhere, that one of the biggest influences for God of War was the Legend of Zelda, and what they wanted to do was create a more gritty more bloody, more violent, more just, uh, I suppose, mature version of The Legend of Zelda. And when you think about Pandora, it's like a Legend of Zelda dungeon, but massively, massively, massively bigger. Yes. Um, and it's the only dungeon in the game. So, I mean, this this gets me thinking about pacing, and I I think the game doesn't necessarily benefit from having this huge dungeon which takes up well over half of the game um in the middle of it and <clears throat> just clearing my throat um and then you you get out of pandora's temple and then you've got the cliffs of madness i think they're called yeah and then it just takes ages and ages and ages and then you go to the underworld for a very very brief section that you can get through in about 15 minutes and then you're back in athens and it just got me thinking about the pacing of this game. I feel like the pacing is the area that they kind of improved most going forward. And I think it's... I think a lot of that is my frustration with the game. I think the pacing in combination with the fact that they don't let up with the battles and give you a chance to breathe every now and again. I think those are the two most detrimental things to the game. And I think that formula could have been perfected and it was perfected afterwards I'd say um, but I, th I feel like it was a real hindrance having this huge uh, temple of Pandora which is full of great design elements but you don't really appreciate it when you're doing one puzzle to the next one fight to the next it feels like they can't do a section without having a fight or a couple of enemies in there then you've got another puzzle but some of the puzzles are really good um, but I, I feel like the pacing was just a bit off um, did you notice that? Yeah, a little bit. And I think towards the end of the game, it felt a little bit more, not sloppy, but it felt like not as much care had been taken with it. And I mean, there are three, really, there are three kind of gaming, um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
three types of gameplay here. You've got platforming, you've got combat, and you've got puzzles. And some of the puzzles don't take long. Some of them are tedious and some of them take ages. And some of them require a little bit of backtracking. And I think this game's best when it's either... I can't say it's best when it's platforming because the platforming isn't amazing. But I think <laughs> this game works best when it's moving the story forward and focusing on combat. That's what I think this game excels at, with the exception of the final boss fight against Ares. I thought that was super disappointing. But everything else, I think the puzzles and the platforming slowed it down a fair bit. And I think that's where my view of the pacing issues come from. Yeah. And I like some of the puzzles, but any puzzle that involves a block in this game can just just get out of the game as far as I'm concerned. Especially that one with um, the spikes in the floor. Well, that one wasn't the one that annoyed me most. The one that annoys me most is there's there's um there's the box with a with an enemy inside that you've got to slowly push up a slope and the enemies that are there around you just respawn and respawn and respawn and you've got to get it to the top and if they hit you once then the box starts to slide back down oh, and you've got to keep doing it oh, honestly that that oh, I drove me a bit mad because I wasn't using the ledges to t- which is my fault I wasn't using the ledges as much as I should have done to kind of because they're kind of rest points yeah they are um but it was just too long and I thought, I just want to get this done. And the first time I did it, I was, um, I just fought a load of the enemies because you're kind of hoping that they'll stop spawning. They don't stop spawning. No. Um, and then I thought, oh, I'll just get the, the block up there as quickly as I can. And then every time they hit me, it was just sliding, not all the way to the bottom, but it was sliding back. Yeah, you lose And I was thinking, it's just, this is not fun. So why am I doing this? Why would you want to balance between pushing this stupid block up a hill and fighting these enemies that keep respawning? It's not fun. Um, So that was the one that drove me most mad. And then there's one towards the beginning where you've got a destructible box and you're kicking it down the, like you're on a boat and you're you're kicking it down the deck, but you've got people firing arrows at you and three hits and the box is done. So you keep having to, I just, this is stuff that, yeah, it's just, it's not challenging because there's nothing actually challenging about it. It's just annoying. It's not fun either. Yeah, it's just annoying. It's just annoying design. Yeah. And there's a few. There's a few things like that. Like you say, the the box one. Do you want to do you want to give a, a bit of detail about that one, the one that you mentioned? Yeah, there's just a, a trap room where basically um, you have to push a box around a corner to reach a ledge, um, and as soon as you pull down a lever which releases the box, it sets the floor on a timer, and the the floor is completely full of holes. And after a certain amount of time has passed, uh, spikes come up and instantly kill you. And it took me probably about four attempts to do that just because I wasn't moving the box correctly or I hadn't got it into the right position. And it wasn't even the case that, oh, if you jump on the box just before the spikes come up, then you can survive and carry on moving it. That The box just gets decimated and you die and you've got to do it again. Yeah. Um, and that took me about, like I say, four goes, which was a little bit irritating. Like, it wasn't the worst thing ever, but... There are there are moments of that padded through the game where you just think, why? Why is this bit in here? Because... And, the, and the, the, the timing that they give you is also not very lenient, is it? No, exactly. So and that was you, the issue. 
yeah, and if you're a little bit off, you're just going to fail. And then it's, yeah, instant death, instant death, instant death. A um, couple of times when I was <laughs> when I was doing Hades' uh, columns with the spikes on them, the ones that annoyed you, a couple of times I fell down and I fell through the world. So that was ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah that like happened it was, to me about three times as well, actually. I mean, that's not really forgivable in a, in a AAA game, is it? That you fall through the world just because you... <laughs> Because the game can't handle the fact that you've been hit by a spike. No, um, but I, I suppose you just got to keep telling yourself, 15 years old. But even so, it's yeah. a bit like, ugh. I don't know, though, because block puzzles. Ocarina of Time did those in 1998, and there were more of them. They were more inventive, and they were less annoying. I don't know. I think it's a product of its time, but at the same time, it could be seen as oversights as well. Because these, these days, if... Uh, if a company releases a game and there's a bug like that in it, they can just do an update, can't Patch they? Patch it out, yeah. It gets patched, but back in 05... But this is a remaster of a well, 2005 yeah, a game. Well, yeah, it's not as forgivable, I suppose. Should have been a, they should have been testing there to stop that happening, because if I had it twice, you say you had it three times. Yeah. That's two people experiencing this bug. Yeah, very true. It's, it's a good point. That being said, the main concept of flipping rotating the areas of pandora's box the the temple i think it's brilliant the yeah fact it was that you're cool. that, that, that you're changing the temple and you 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 start this puzzle very early into the temple you notice that this this big there's this big crystal thing and you can you can interact with it but you don't know what it does yet and there's lots of things that you see when you're doing pandora's temple you think okay i can't do anything with that at the moment maybe in a bit of time I can come back and do something with that and it all does and it all kind of feeds together to this one very satisfying thing where you maneuver the whole temple um, I mean it's it's kind of like Zelda design at its best when you're, you're shifting and warping the temple um, yeah it's just it's just uh, I, mean, I have my issues with Pandora's temple but that fundamental design was really great I think um, so I mean we've mentioned <laughs> the puzzles which in in a way were some of my favorite bits and some of my most annoying bits um what i wanted to ask you this is our question of the week now this is obviously a game set in ancient greece um so my question to you is what historical setting that hasn't been seen so much do you think would be good in a game this is this is the thing that I find it hard to think about because like you say that hasn't been done already because over the past 10 years I mean maybe not 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 done already but something that's not been done been very done much, often that's what you said wasn't it um yeah yeah I mean over the past 10 years we've seen games like starting with the first Assassin's Creed taking place in the Crusades and then you've got the Renaissance the American Revolution French Revolution Victorian London um ancient Egypt the Caribbean pirates a lot of these like periods in history are now being like f fully fledged and I really love that because I love history and I, I, when, when when you first sent me that question I immediately thought okay how about um, kind of like the Norman conquests in England in like 1066 but then I googled it and I was like oh Assassin's Creed Valhalla's doing that but it's just like the year 870 something. So it's just a right. few hundred years beforehand. And it just seems that a lot of stuff's been done now, but I suppose 
it's not so much a time period, but I think, so if we were to say kind of 19, 1910s to 1920s, but I want to see more games take place in Britain because you, you often see these sprawling places in Greece or, you know, a lot of games take place in America with games like GTA or Watch Dogs, but you've got Watch Dogs Legion that just came out, which somewhat recreates London, which is quite cool. You've got Assassin's Creed yeah. Syndicate that came out about four or five years ago that was Victorian London, which was a cool thing. And I think yeah. back to 2002 or 2001 when The Getaway came out. Oh, um, yeah. And I love that great. game. I thought, I thought The Getaway was great. I mean, it's, it's clunky, but it's, oh, yeah. it's the, the recreation of London is, is phenomenal. I, I don't think I could go back to that game now. I think it would drive me mad. But... I really wish that we could see more games that are based in Britain and not just in London. And, yeah. you know, like Peaky Blinders is a huge thing in in like UK culture at the moment. And I'm, I'm not really that into it. I watched the first few series, but then I kind of got a bit bored with it. But I think doing stuff around gangland in the UK between kind of the late 1800s to, I don't know, the, the 19... 50s or the 1960s or something i think would be really cool and don't focus on london somewhere like birmingham or you know somewhere further up north like manchester or liverpool i think that would be a pretty novel thing i, I don't think we'll see it um but yeah that that's probably not the answer i thought i'd give but that's something i'd like to see what about you yeah i think you've um touched on kind of a, a secret passion of mine which is games set in the uk mm. and i mean i was thinking about doing a video about uh game sets in the uk when i went to vietnam um it was it was i taught in vietnam for nine months and it was it was um it was very interesting it was very difficult at times and at times it, it's a it's a very beautiful country in places but i was yearning to get back home um afterwards and I've kind of had a new appreciation for the UK after that. And I just love things set in the UK. I mean, it's why I love things like, um, things like everybody's gone to the, or everyone's gone to the rapture and, um, the arrestor because they're just so quintessentially British. Um, so it's just interesting that you bring that up because I always want more games set in Britain. Um, but the th I, I pick three, I pick three settings that I thought would be interesting. Okay. First, I want to give a nod to... Um, do you remember Assassin's Creed? They did um, a spin-off series of 2D side-scrollers. They're called yeah, there was Assassin's one, Creed Chronicles. Yeah, there was one in ancient China. There was one in the Russian Revolution as well, wasn't there? Yeah, so there's one set in feudal China, one set in the Russian Revolution, and one set in India. Yeah. And I thought those are potentially three wonderful settings for fully fledged games i'd love to see something um, it, in the russian revolution like big time i mean yeah i mean so what so one of my picks is um is india but not necessarily the india of that game but there was a time where there's a company it's referenced i think in assassin's creed it's a syndicate and um, there's a company called the east india trading company yeah. that was a british company and they basically transported goods from india but at the same time they colonized a lot of india and the British wouldn't I don't do know that. if you've. 
That's what the Commonwealth is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, there's a film called um, The Man Who Would Be King with uh, Sean Connery and Michael Caine. Excellent, excellent film. And that's set kind of during this time of colonisation. I'd love to see a game set during that time. Um, I mean, I don't know what the, the game would be about, but I'd love to see that setting in that time period because I, I imagine it's a really fascinating time. Yeah. Um, so that was, that, was, that was my first one. Second one is... Um, South America, an area that I think is very much not seen in games that often, like Argentina and, and stuff. Yeah, like like really not not just Mexico because you do see Mexico quite a lot, but um, just maybe something if you go back in time to the Aztecs or the Mayans. Okay. Um, something along those lines. I mean, again, I don't know what the game would be, but I think it's a setting that's ready to be mined because it's just there's just so much rich stuff there. Sacrifice the final one's simulator. a bit closer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, the last one's a bit closer to home, so it's kind of, um, I suppose, on similar lines to what you're thinking. And that is uh, a game that would be set in Gaelic Ireland. Um, so Ireland has a very rich, I don't know whether to call it mythology. Um, it may be something that people actually believe. I, I don't know. I don't know what you mean. Um, so it's a very spiritual country and uh, like Halloween as we know. Yeah, and Halloween as we know it comes from a Gaelic festival called Samhain. Um, so it, there's, there's very much an interest in spiritualism and that kind of thing. I'd love something within that time kind of um, exploring this spiritualism of, of Samhain and all these uh, all these festivals that they celebrated. A lot of things to do with death, actually. I just think it's a really fascinating thing. And Ireland's such a beautiful country. And you don't see... I can't think of a game set in Ireland or even a section set in Ireland. And it's just... No, I can't sorely missed. So I just think that's one that it'd be fantastic to... I mean, actually, no, that's, that's, that's not correct... I mentioned a game on this uh, on this podcast before called Folklore, which is set. Um, I don't know if it's an island in Ireland, um, but it's set somewhere in Ireland, and that kind of touches on a lot of this stuff. But um, that's kind of from a modern day perspective. Sure. But I was thinking that going back in time and exploring those things when those when those thoughts and those beliefs were really present, um, and maybe maybe some druids in there as well. That'd be nice. Uh, yeah, so they're, they're, they're my three. Um, just thinking about I, I always find it really interesting to think about all these settings. I mean, before Assassin's Creed Origins was announced, I was desperate for a game set like in fully-fledged Egypt, and then it gave me that, so that was great. Um, okay, back to God of War. That was a nice, <laughs> nice long diversion that we had. So, did the critics get it right with God of War, do you think? Um... I'll be interested to see what I say after God of War 2 and which one I prefer. But if we're just judging this on its own, which we are, um, did the critics get it right? What did you say the score was for it? 94. 94. And what position? Number 17? 76. Oh, 76. Yeah, I'd say that it sits about right. I, I, I can... I, I can live with the idea of this game being on the top 100 list. It, I don't find that thought offensive that this game, you know, nudges up something else. I think it's got its place here. And uh, 
the story and the the saga that it set out i think yeah fair enough if it was any higher than that i'd probably be a bit like mm, i don't know but i think 76 is a fair place for this game to sit for what it is and what it does before we'd done this playthrough i considered god of war more highly than i do now i think a lot of that was because i enjoyed it at the time yeah back in must have been 2010 or around then and i didn't remember much of it so it can't have annoyed me that much at the time either. But now I'm going to backtrack and say, actually, I think the critics got it wrong Okay. a little bit. But I'm glad that they got it wrong. Because this is the first in a kind of... Um, think about Sony in the PS2 era. They didn't release that many games. I mean, they had things like uh, Shadow of the Colossus, Eco. Um, they had a few other things as well, a few other minor things. Um, things like The Getaway, they were Sony. Um, but they'd not really become the Sony that we know today. But I think God of War was the start of that Sony. Yeah. And it was the start of this kind of cinematic, single-player epic that really is good at storytelling and framing the moment. I think this is the first game that does that. Um, one of the earliest Sony games that does that. And I think, although I think it would just fall out, fall out of the top 100 list for me, I think um, I'm glad that they did make that mistake because I think that's what led to God of War 2 being greenlit and us having the God of War saga and having God of War 2018 and all those other games that were inspired by it, all those other games that, picked up the quick time events, picked up the boss fights and the violence and the mythology and uh, started playing around with that. So I think it's an interesting point that, yeah, you know, this is the first kind of cinematic Sony based game because this was two years before the first Uncharted game came out and everyone yeah, exactly. loves Uncharted. So yeah, I think that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that before. I think this is the start of modern, modern day Sony um, yeah. for me was with God of War because... Eco, Shadow of the Colossus, they're very much Japanese Sony games, but this was kind of modern Western Sony, the games that we see now all over the place yeah. um, that people are so fond of. They come, they kind of harken back to this. Obviously, they're not exactly the same. No. But I think from a from a formula point of view, they, they're kind of similar. As Obi-Wan Kenobi would say, it was their first step into a larger world. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, it would just fall outside the top 100, but... Um, it's a mistake that I, I, I don't want to say mistake, but I feel like it, I'm glad that the critics did yeah. go this way, even if I don't think that it belongs there. Yeah, that's fair enough. I get that. Nice controversial opinion for you. Quite. One that one that I didn't, I don't think you'd have expected. No, I thought you were going to say, yeah, I think it was right. I think it should have been higher, but no, I, I get where you're coming from with that, and I agree. And it's it's an interesting perspective. Um, that doesn't change my stance on it, but. I, I get where you're coming from with that, and I can I can agree with you, but just not change my mind. Let's talk about the next episode that we've got in store. Do you want to talk about that? We originally said the next episode would be coming out on December 3rd. However, we're going to push it back by a week. So the next episode will be coming out on the 10th of December now, just because it's a pretty big game and we need some time to play it. Last week, we asked you listeners to kindly... Go to our Twitter page and vote on our pinned tweet, which was a poll, which would be 
a choice of games that we would next be covering. So we had Celeste, SSX, Oblivion, and Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Do you want to reveal to us in reverse order what, what the winner is? <laughs> reverse order? Let me double check. <laughs> so I'll do, I'll do some editing here so that it doesn't look like I'm taking <laughs> ages to find out what it was. So we had nine votes. In fourth place was Celeste with 11% of the votes. In third place was Oblivion with 22% of the vote. Second place was SSX, which surprised me, with 23% of the vote. And in first place, with 44% of the vote, it was Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. So Knights of the Old Republic will be the game that we are playing next and will be being released on the 10th of December. So, yes, God of War done. Next one for that will be God of War 2 whenever we get around to covering it as always if you would like to reach out to us um feel free to send us an email at the long and short of it podcast at hotmail.com we're on twitter at the long short of we're on facebook we're on instagram if you have enjoyed this episode please consider liking it sharing it to someone who you feel might enjoy it or if you're feeling extra kind Um, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts because it really does help in regards to helping new people find our content, you know, spreading the word. And yeah, we enjoy doing these and we hope you enjoy listening. Listen, Listen out for the next episode in a couple of weeks and we'll see you then. Yes, very good. See you on the 10th. Cheerio. Bye bye.